Now we shine your shoe like a looking gloss. When that water hit them shoes, it roll right off. Shine. Now we shine that shoe like a looking glass. Make a fly through that door. Now to laugh, shine. Now we get them shoes like a looking gloss. The water hit them, they're going to roll right off. Shine. Now we pit them shoes right on the lip when you know them shoes gonna shine, they gonna glit. Now we hit them shoes like a looking glass, them shoes gonna do the natural life, shine. <laughs> now we gonna hit them shoes like a looking glass, when they want to hit them, they gonna roll out or shine. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, friends and enemies, to another informative broadcast. You're listening to Signs and Wonders. I'm your host, Dawid Jakob Maccabeus. I'm coming to you live from Sweden. Today's date is June 16th, 2011. Okay, it's been a while since I've actually done a broadcast. I'm hoping I'm coming in loud and clear. I'm going to check my switchboard and see if anybody is on. And then I, uh, let me see. Yep, okay. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep talking because I don't want to waste any uh, any time because this is going to be a jam-packed broadcast. Actually, I'm coming to the United States on um, the 18th, I'm going to fly out on the 18th, and I want to make sure I get a broadcast in because it's uh, time is starting to um, there's starting to be a lot of time between the broadcasts. So I want to make sure I can get this out here. But anyway, but before we start, of course, I'm going to open up in a word of prayer, and um, let me begin. Heavenly Father, thank you for another opportunity to speak to your children. I pray that you give me the words to feed your children, Heavenly Father. I ask that you are with me this broadcast. I pray that you spread your wisdom on my words. I pray that you bind and bound the hindering spirit and bless us with the spirit of truth, which is the comforter. I say this prayer in the name of Yahushua, the Messiah. Hallelujah. 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 Okay. Well, I felt the need to do this study so that um, we could be 100% clear on who the true enemy is. I say this because there is a lot of misinformation revolving around who the synagogue of Satan is. So, who are the imposters? Who is the enemy of Yah? We have been taught through subtle and non-subtle methods that the kings and queens of Great Britain, France, Denmark, Sweden, Netherlands, and many other controlling monarchs are of the seed of King David. 
We've been taught through subtle and non-subtle means that the popes past and present are the spirit of truth and representatives and representatives of the Father in heaven. Now, many of you that have listened to uh, these broadcasts are well informed and understand that this is not the case. But I feel the need to clarify because very soon all eyes will be on these teachings. But before we get into this broadcast, I would like to speak to those that have been following the Signs and Wonders broadcast. I want to ask uh, that the Most High Ayah will bless you because you are truly a blessing. I ask that you can be a blessing to someone else. And I thank you from the bottom of my heart for all your prayers of support. I just wanted to say that. Okay, now, today, um, today will be a day of clarification. It will be a day of clarity, okay? Today we will clarify who the enemy of Ayah is. We will do this by discussing the mark of the beast. Now, this mark is not what you think. This mark is to identify who the seed of the enemy is. First, I would like to explain something. Okay? The title of this broadcast came to me at the last minute. Because I had many other titles for this broadcast. For example, the root of the Kenites was one. The Sanhedrin, the rabbi, and the lie was another. I also had the deception of the Kabbalah. You see, all of these titles came to mind because all of these titles are appropriate. Now, I settled on the Mark of the Beast 2011. I settled on this because the purpose of all of those years of deception is now beginning to come to flourishing. Okay? The purpose of all those years of deception are now beginning to come to flourishing. What do I mean by this? What I mean is this. The mark of the beast is much more than a chip. The mark of the beast is time. Okay? The mark of, of the beast, think about this. The mark, okay, is an identification of a particular time. All right? Now, let me explain. At no time in, is, in history, okay, at no time in history has the principalities, the true rulers of this planet, had the ability to enslave all mankind as they do in the year 2011. The modern advancements of science have given man the ability to build an impenetrable prison and once this prison is in place, no man will be able to escape. Now, let me put this in another perspective. 
how many of you uh, read a read um, Anthony Sutton's book? Okay. Author Anthony Sutton. Now, there's a book the, that he has, and it's called um, Wall Street and the Rise of Hitler. Now, for those of you that are not familiar, let me give you a little unknown fact. Now, understand, there would be no Hitler if Dutch Shell Oil did not fund him. There would be no Hitler if IG Farben, General Electric, Standard Oil, and the power brokers on Wall Street did not fund him. This is a documented fact. And you will find these facts in this book that I mentioned by Anthony Sutton, Wall Street and the Rise of Hitler. Now, how many of you heard of Smedley Butler? Smedley Butler. Did you know that in 1934, Smedley Butler, who was a two-star major general, exposed who the true rulers of this world are? How many of you are familiar with the 1933 coup attempt by the corporate elite? Well, here are a few unknown facts. Corporations like J.P. Morgan, DuPont, United Fruit Company, which is now Chiquita, Standard Fruit Company, which is now Dole, Goodyear, and many others conspired to take full military control of the United States of America in 1933. This is documented fact. So in 1933, the principalities tried to take over the United States of America. But what happened? What happened in 1933? Well, Understand, this is a documented fact, okay? So, in 1933, okay, the principalities tried to take over the United States of America. But they could not do it because of a good man by the name of Smedley Butler. He had a good heart. But in 1933, okay, things were different. 1933 is not 2011. What do I mean? In 2011, supporter of Hitler, okay, supporters of Hitler like I.G. Farben, has morphed into huge corporations like Bayer Pharmaceuticals and a company by the name of BASF. You see, IG Farben did not have the power that he has. This, this corporation did not have the power that it has now in 2011. For example, how can a company like Bayer Pharmaceuticals knowingly sell drugs that were contaminated with the AIDS virus to six children? I mean, to sick children, okay? They sold AIDS-contaminated drugs 
okay, to sick children. They were hemophiliacs. They did this, but yet they were not run out of business. How can they do this and not be run out of business? The question is, if I.G. Farben was a major contributor to the Nazis in World War II, then why are they more powerful now than they were then? Okay? Now remember, we're speaking about how was it 2011 different from 1933? Let me give you another example. We hear calls to uh, protect the environment and fears of uh, global pollution, right? But IG Farben, which is now BASF, is the largest chemical company in the world. What does this mean? Well, how many rivers, streams, oceans, and air poisoning has BASF contributed to this world as the largest chemical company on the planet? How many third world nations in Africa, South America, and Asia have been contaminated by this chemical company? You see, in 2011, IG Farben, which is now BASF, has teamed up with Monsanto's, which gives them even more power than they had in 1933. One thing that we all should be aware of is this. Names like IG Farben, Bayer, BASF, Monsanto's are all one and the same. They are all one and the same. They're just names. Because they all have the same owner and the same agenda. Now, let's use Monsanto's as an example. For those of you that have been living under a rock, and for those of you that are not familiar with Monsanto's, I'm going to go over a little bit of the history. Okay? Now, here's a brief history of Monsanto. And it reads, The 1940s saw Monsanto's become a leading manufacturer of plastics including polycystrine and synthetic fibers. Since then, it has remained one of the top 10 U.S. chemical companies. Other major products have included the herbicide 245T DDT and Agent Orange used primarily during the Vietnam War as a defoliant agent, later found to be contaminated during manufacture with highly carcinogen doxin. The artificial sweetener aspartame, Nutrisleep, bovine somatophrin, bovine growth hormone, BST, and PCBs, also in this decade. Monsanto operated the Dayton Project and later Mound Laboratories in Mimisburg, Ohio, for the Manhattan Project. The development of the first nuclear weapons and after 1947, the Atomic Energy Commission. Okay. Now, this is a brief history of Monsanto's. So, how many of you heard about DDT 
Agent Orange in the Vietnam War of the 1970s? How about PCBs and how they cause cancer by attacking the essence of life in the womb? Does anybody know about these PCBs that Monsanto's developed? How about aspartame and the effects on the brain? The Manhattan Project, which led to the bombing of Hiroshima, or Chernobyl, and most recent, Fukushima, or even the coming nuclear holocaust. All of this courtesy of Monsanto's. Now what else does it say that Monsanto's did? It says, um, in uh, 1954, Monsanto's partnered with German chemical giant Bayer Myers, Bayer Pharmaceuticals. And what did they do? It says, um, they teamed with uh, chemical giant Bayer to form Mobay, Mobay, and uh, they marketed it. It's called poly, polyutherines in the U.S. Okay, now that's a crazy name. So what is this uh, polyutherines? Okay, they try to make this crazy name, and uh, let me tell you what it is. It's uh, called um, serene gas. You know what serene gas is? Well, let me read an explanation. Serene is estimated to be over 500 times more toxic than cyanide. Initial symptoms following exposure to serene are a runny nose, tightness in the chest, constriction of the pupils. Soon after, the victim has difficulty breathing and experiences nausea and drooling. As the victim continues to low, uh, to lose control of bodily functions, the victim vomits, defecates, and urinates. This phase is followed by twitching and jerking. Ultimately, the victim becomes uh, comatose and suffocates in a series of convulsion spasms. Death may follow in one minute after direct ingestion of lethal dose. Nice. So we have a pharmaceutical company, a pharmaceutical company named Bayer making this deadly ass gas. <laughs> okay, now, imagine if Hitler had this drug in 1933. So, this company called Mobay, which is a combination of Monsanto's, which stands for the Mo, and Bear for the Bay, which is Mobay, created Serene. Serene, which is a chemical weapon, okay, better known as a weapon of mass destruction. Now, you remember those, uh, those weapons of mass destru destruction, uh, the reason why we went to Iraq, right? Well, understand that those uh, weapons of mass destruction were created by Mobe, a combination of Monsanto's and Bear. Okay? 2011. Now, here's some more information about Monsanto. Monsanto's scientists became the first to genetically modify a plant cell in 1982. First year later, um, five years later, Monsanto's conducted the first field test of genetically engineered crops. 2005, Monsanto purchased Seminesis, a leading global vegetable and fruit seed company. 
for $1.4 billion. 2008, Monsanto purchases the Dutch seed company De Ruter Seeds for 564 million euro. Monsanto is also the leading producer of genetically engineered GE seeds. It provides the technology in 90% of the of the genetically engineered seed used in the United States market. So there you have it. And like I said, they are all one and the same. BASF, which was IG Farben, is now working with Monsanto's. Bayer Pharmaceuticals, which is also IG Farben, is Mobe, the creator of serine gas, the chemical weapon. Monsanto's, the creator of DDT, involved in the creation of the nuclear bomb and nuclear energy is now the provider of 90% of the technology to engineer all seeds in the United States and soon the whole planet. Okay? Now, I say they are all one and the same because the corporations have taken over. Now, let me repeat myself. The mark is an identification of time. At no time in history has the principalities, the true rulers of this world, had the ability to enslave all mankind as they do in the year 2011. Now, here's something to think about. Did you know that the main chemical element that gave companies like IG Farben, BASF, Goodyear, and Monsanto's their wealth is sulfur. Okay. Sulfur. Now, why am I uh, mentioning this? Because sulfur is one of the main elements in synthetic rubber and plastics. Rubber was one of the main resources in World War II. Also, Think about all the tires and plastic used at this time. These companies got extremely rich out of this process. Okay? Now I'm going to explain it now. Now, plastics and synthetic rubber are created through a process called vulcanization. Now, what's interesting is sulfur is associated with the summoning of demonic beings. But this is not the key. Okay? The key is the process called vulcanization. Now let me explain. Vulcanization is the process of converting rubber into other materials. Now what makes this information interesting is where this name vulcanization comes from. Okay? Now, let me be clear. When I speak about the sulfur, okay, and its vulcanization, you know, I'm going to um, tie this into the principalities because I want you to understand that nothing is an accident, okay? There are no accidents in this world. 
And I know um, when you start to put things together, it seems kind of reaching sometimes. But sometimes you got to reach to get the truth. Now, I'm going to explain what this, what why I'm bringing this up, this vocalization. It's called balkanization. Okay. Now, um, here, here's here's where it states where this comes from. It says uh, Goodyear. Okay. Now you remember Goodyear Tire. Everybody knows Goodyear Tire. It says Goodyear discovered the vulcanization process accidentally after five years of searching for a more suitable rubber. He developed a process to vulcanize rubber, a method which he discovered in 1839. So, where does this word vulcanization come from? Now remember, there's no accidents, right? He discovered it by accident. But where does this word vulcanization come from? It comes from a god of the occult called Vulcan. The Roman god of fire. Okay. Now, when I found this out, it caught my attention. Because anytime there is a connection with the occult, we should pay attention. Now, remember, if the principalities are the true rulers, then we have to find out where they lend their hand to man. What does this mean? Okay. The principalities, we know that they work through the occult. So if they lent their hand to this invention of this mixture of sulfur to create these synthetic rubbers, which made men wealthy beyond means, then we should pay attention. And like I said, there's no such thing as accident. Especially when the accident gives power to the world. I mean, especially when this accident gives power to rule the world. Okay? All right. Okay. Now, here's the connection to this name, vulcanization, in the occult. We find it on Wikipedia. This explanation is from, uh, it's, called, it's a 15th century, 15th century occultist. And his name is Paracelsus, Paracelsius, okay, Paracelsius. And it reads, now this is from an occultist. He says, Vulcan, the, he was Vulcan of the alchemist, okay? Now we know what alchemy is, right? Alchemy is when you change things from, uh, from lead to gold, right? That's like the whole dream of the alchemist. But they made gold out of this rubber. Okay, now it says, uh, Vulcan of the Alchemist was the patron deity of alchemy. It was also known to be a symbol of the Hermetic art. Despite being imported in Egypt and Greek religion, it was the Renaissance physician, alchemist Paracelsus, who first introduced the, the mythological figure of Vulcan. All right, this guy was the first. So here, we see uh, that the occultist Paracelsus inspired the naming of this process of vulcanization. 
we know this is um, because uh, we know this, right? Because of this word, alchemist, right? It all ties together. Vulcanization, which is the process of converting rubber into other materials. So this is this is alchemy going on here now, right? Now, and then we're going to read some more. It says, to Paracelsus, Vulcan was synonymous with both the alchemist, physician's manipulation of fire, heating, and distilling of nature's properties for medicine and pharmaceutical medicine, and the transforming power and creative potential locked within man. Creative potential locked within man. The greater invisible man, or anthropus, slumbering within. Alchemy is an art in Vulcan, the governing of fire, is the art in it. He who is Vulcan has the power of the art. All things have been created in an unfinished state. Nothing is finished, but Vulcan must bring all things to their completion. Everything is at first created in its prima materia, its original stuff, whereupon Vulcan comes and develops it into its final substance. God created iron, but not that which is to be made of it. He enjoyed fire, and Vulcan, who is the lord of fire, to do the rest. From this it follows that iron must be cleansed of its dross before it can be forged. This process is alchemy. Its founding is the smith Vulcan. What is accomplished by fire is alchemy, whether in the furnace or in the kitchen stove, and he who governs fire is Vulcan. Even if he be a cook of man who tends the stove. Now, sounds like he's making drugs. <laughs> now, one thing to keep in mind. This was written in 15th century, almost 500 years ago. Man did not have the ability to manipulate the environment the way man can manipulate it today. This is how, in the 20th century, we get nuclear weapons, sarin gas, plastic, chemical weapons, fluoride, and aspartame, all from companies like IG Farben, Bayer Pharmaceuticals, and Monsanto's. They're alchemists, okay? They're Vulcan. They get this from the god of fire. The principality. Okay? Now, this is why I say at no time in history have the principalities, the true rulers of this world, had the ability to enslave all mankind as they do in the year 2011. Now, although this statement is true, there is one thing they did not count on. Okay? And we all know what that is. That's the awakening of the Sidi Yaakov. You see, no man can escape this prison without the return of Yahshua, the Messiah. Now, I do not say this lightly. We are truly moving towards a prison planet. Many of us are blind to realize this fact. We can see this through certain examples in our recent history. World War II, 
and the creation of the United Nations, the European Union, IMF, World Bank, the 1913 Federal Reserve Act, and the Wall Street crash of 1929. Now, the coming crash of 2012. God forbid. How about the European Austerity Plan? The development of the world governance, a.k.a. New World Order. Corporations like J.P. Morgan Chase, Citi, I.G. Fargan, Bayer, BASF, Monsanto's, and their plans for Kodak's Alimentarius. All of this is moving us towards the total enslavement of all mankind, enslaved to the corporations. So, who is behind the corporations? That should be the question. If we're enslaved to the corporations, then who is behind? Or what is behind the corporations? You see, this is... You see, this is one thing that needs to be understood. None of these corporations would exist if it were not for the principalities in high places. This world would be easy to defeat. Okay? This world government thing that they're setting up would be easy to defeat if it was just the evil hearts of man. You see, we saw this with men like Smedley Butler. But it's much more than this now. Okay? You see, Smedley Butler had a change of heart because he didn't like what was going on. He saw what the corporations were doing. And when they tried to set something up, he was like, no, I'm not going to do it. Why? Because my heart will not let me will now uh will not allow me to do this. Okay? So we can see that man now is being taken out of the equation and the principalities are stepping in. Now I'm going to read uh something in scriptures to prove my point. Now we all know Ephesians um, we all know Ephesians six ten through twelve, right? Okay. And I'm going to read what it says. It says, "Finally, my brethren, be strong in Yahuwah, and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of Yah." that ye may be able to stand against the wells of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Now think about that. Okay? Think about that. Now understand this. These beings are not men. Okay? Now, did you hear what it said? It says, spiritual wickedness in high places. Spirits. 
Now the word says this. You can de- you can deny all you want, but facts are facts. Okay? We are one. Okay? We are under the control. Okay? Of this these principalities, okay? We are just one world war away from order out of chaos. Okay? Let me repeat that. We are just one world war away from order out of chaos. But, like I said, there's one thing they did not count on. And this is the awakening of the covenant. We have to remember who really is in control. All right? We have to remember who really is in control. Now, I'm going to read Jeremiah 13, 16 through 18. Give glory to Yahuwah, your Yah, before he causes darkness and before your feet stumble upon the dark mountain. And while you look for light, he turned it into the shadow of death and make it gross darkness. But if you will not hear it, My soul shall weep in secret places for your pride, and mine eyes shall weep sore and run down with tears, because Yahuwah's flock is carried away captive. All right. And it says, say unto the king and queen, humble yourselves, sit down for your principalities shall come down, even the crown of your glory. Now, here we see that the spirit of the Most High was with the king and the queen of Yahuda. But they were not humble. So their principalities came down. This is letting us know that the principalities are connected to spirits. Okay? The principalities are connected to spirits. Now, this is very important to understand, okay? Now, listen to what it reads in Colossians 1, 15 to 20, all right? It says this. It says, um, give thanks unto our Father, Ayah, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness that hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Now, This part here about the forgiveness of sins, a lot of people are a little confused what this means. Now, in order to understand this word sin, you have to go to the root of the word. If you listen to my previous broadcast, I touch on this word. Okay? Okay? I touch on this word sin, and I I, I just did a broadcast. Go back to that one, and you'll be able to to get a, a better understanding of that. Okay, now, it also reads, it says, who is the image of the invisible Yah, the firstborn of every creature? For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominations or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist and he is the head of the body the church who is the beginning the firstborn from the dead then all things he might have the permanence 
For if please the Father that in him should all fulfillment dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself by him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Now, I read the scripture to remind you that all of this is for a purpose. Remember, all will be present on the day of judgment. Everybody, the ones that die and the ones that are here, will be present on the day of judgment. I say this just in case people are scared by the information that I am presenting to you today. Okay? There is no need for fear. Because all of this has a purpose. Okay? All of this has a purpose. Now, like I mentioned earlier, I was going to name this broadcast the Sanhedrin, the Rabbi, and the Lie. <laughs> the Sanhedrin, the Rabbi, and the Lie. Because this is how this prison planet came to existence. Because many of us do not understand history, we cannot see the greatest deception of all time. And what is that? What? It's people pretending to be who they are not. The Sanhedrin, the rabbi, and the line. Now, I know y'all know this verse. It says, Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet and to know that I have loved thee. You see, we are living this today in the year 2011. Look at the news in Libya. Yemen, Egypt, Syria, Palestine, Iraq, Iran, and on and on. Who is causing all of this chaos? Are those that say they are Jews and are not causing this chaos? Are they? You know, today I watched a documentary called The Zionist Story. It was done by a man by the name of Burke Joel Swick. Now, I'm probably messing his name up, but it was a very good documentary. I advise everyone to watch this video. You just go to YouTube and you put in the Zionist story. Okay. Now, it is the best documentary I have ever seen concerning Zionism. Okay. The best documentary I have ever seen concerning Zionism. Also, the man who did the documentary, he's a Jew. He's a Jewish man. So he knows firsthand about Zionism. Now, if you want to know how the future prison planet will be, watch this documentary. The Palestinians are living in a prison planet right now. Now, before I get off topic, Let's get back to the principalities, but please watch that video. It's uh, the Zionist story. I mean, what these people are going through, we as black people, former slaves, former uh, 
uh, you know, discriminated people through South Africa and today, we should be standing up in arms, yelling at the top of our lungs, telling them to help those Palestinians out. We should be doing what Cynthia McKinney is doing in Libya, seeing firsthand what these people are doing to those uh, Libyans. We have the voice to stand up. See, the power that we have as uh, as 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 uh, African Americans, and I say that because it, it, for a reason. See, you're not just black. You're American. You pay taxes to the government. You have a right to say something. If they kill you, they killed an American. Okay? They killed an American. You are paying those Jews to be in uh, the government to represent you. If they kill me, they killed an American. All right? So I have a voice to speak up for them Palestinians. Hey, if they're going to lie about it, if they're going to lie that, you know, we have power, we might as well use the power that the line that we got. All right, well, let me get, let me, let me, let me uh, not get off topic. Okay, so. Who is causing all this chaos? Is it the principalities? Spiritual weakness and spiritual wickedness in high places? By now we should know that they are spirits. But who and what are they? Now, in order to get to the truth, we have to go to the beginning. We can start with the Babylonian captivity. Now, I'm going to read from the book of Jeremiah, chapter 13 again, because this is a good book. All right? And it reads, Say unto the king and to the queen, Humble yourselves, sit down, for your principalities shall come down, even the crown of your glory. The city of the south shall be shut up, and none shall be open with them. Judah shall be carried away captive. All of it shall be wholly carried away captive. Lift up your eyes, and behold them that come from the north. Where is the flock that was given thee? Thy beautiful flock. Question. What wilt thou say when he shall punish thee? Question. For thou hast taught them to be captains and chiefs over thee. Shall no sorrow take thee as a woman in travail? Question. And if thou say in thy heart, wherefore come these things upon me? For the greatness of thine iniquity are the skirts discovered, and thy heels made bare. Okay? Now, this chapter in Jeremiah is when the seed of Yaakov was taken into Babylon. Like I mentioned in my prior broadcast, the Amalekites came from the north as the Hyksus. We also have the Greeks and the Romans taking over the temples and creating religion. We have Esau converting into Judaism. We have the Samaritans converting into Judaism. We have the Edomites becoming high priests. The Greeks and all the mixed multitudes converting into Judaism and becoming Jews. And as it reads in Jeremiah, 
Judah shall be carried away captive. All of it shall be wholly carried away captive. All right. Let me check my time. All right, I'm doing good. So, if Judah was carried away captive, right, as his prophecy states, then who are the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not? Okay. Now, I'm going to document, uh, the reason why I'm going over this again, because I actually wanted to document this so people can actually, um, you know, when all is said and done, you can listen to this broadcast and use this one as something to look back on when we need to know who are the, the, the wicked ones in charge, okay? And this is one of the, the main reasons why I wanted to do this broadcast before I came to the States, have some document. All right, now, first, uh, let's reflect on what occurred and uh, what we and what has been what we have been told. Okay, remember we're talking. We're thinking, speaking about the principalities and who's actually taken over. Who are the uh, the uh, usurpers, right? So we're gonna we're gonna reflect on that. Now we know that the Hebrews were twice sold into slavery and dispersed prior to the Hellenization of the Greeks in Jerusalem. Okay, but we have to go back further in time to see why. We have to go. Uh, way back to the root. Now, how many of you heard of the Kenites? Okay. If you have not, I would advise you to get familiar with this term and understand who and what the Kenites are. Now, I'm going to read the definition here and a concordance. Okay. And it says, um, it's in accordance, it says, the same as Hebrews 70 13, with the play upon the effeminate in. 87069, Kayan, the name of the first child, also of Palestine, uh, first child, also of a place in Palestine, and of an original tribe, Cain, Kenite, Cain, K-E-N, K-E-N-I-T-E-S. So, Kenite means of the tribe of Cain, the firstborn of Eve. Now, there is another tribe of Cain that is not so popular, which is called the Amalekites. Okay, the Amalekites are kin to the Kenites. This is very important. Very important to understand. Now, I advise those of you, if you want a deeper study on this, uh, I ask you to please listen to a broadcast that I did called The Seed of the Serpent and the Amalekite Deception. I have the transcript featured on my website called HebrewsWakeUp.com. I feature it up there and I keep it up there for this purpose, okay? Because I want people to know who these people are. So I'm I'm not going to uh, teach about this today. I'm not going to teach about I am not going to teach about the the seed of the serpent today. But I will let someone else teach it, okay? Because I think it's good to have a second witness. Second witness. Now remember. We're finding who the principalities are. Who are these principalities? The spiritual wickedness in high places. Okay? Okay. Now, some of you may know that for years I studied with the Shepherd's Chapel Ministry. 
I bought cassette tapes, books, watched the TV program almost every day. I still use the study Bible and the strong concordance that I bought from them almost 15 years ago. So, I'm very familiar with the, with the Shepherd's Chapel and Pastor Arnold Murray. Now, I say this because I'm going to play something from Arnold Murray concerning the Kenites. Now, when I was doing research for this broadcast, I found this tape that I bought almost 15 years ago called the Kenites, taught by uh, you know Pastor Arnold Murray. Like I mentioned in my Usurper series, Arnold Murray is a believer in the Anglo-Israelite theory, okay, the British Israelite Anglo-Israelite theory. He believes that the British monarchy, along with the French and the Spanish monarchy, are of the lost tribes of Israel, and because he teaches this. His followers and those that believe this lie think all black people are of the six-day creation. Now, if that confuses you, uh, go back and listen to that Malachite deception. Okay? The six-day creation. So, when we say that we are, you know, so now that, you know, he was waking up, and we say that we are of the seed of Yaakov, they think we are lying. And are of the synagogue of Satan. Okay? Now, not all of them, though, but some of them do. Now, I cannot express how important it is to understand this deception. When I was studying under Pastor Murray, I had no clue who the true Hebrews were. I thought that the people of the Middle East, Egypt, and Israel were always a mixture of, you know, whites, blacks, Asians, and Arabs. The Jews, to me, were people that lived in the Middle East. You know, they lived in the Middle East. They didn't believe Jesus uh, uh, died. And there are people that suffered the Holocaust. Now, it's ironic how the the Shepherd's Chapel drove me into the Old Testament. And from listening to this, it taught me how to read chapter by chapter and verse by verse. Now, now I, I stopped listening to this, these people, right? Because I knew something was missing. You see, Arnold Murray started to sound a little bit offensive to me. Then the war in Iraq started, and I heard Arnold Murray praising that murderous, lying, aspartame-pushing, Monsanto's-connected viper, Donald Rumsfeld, okay, Rumsfeld, and his companion, George Bush. After I heard that, I was done. Because by then, I knew that Bush and Rumsfeld did 9-11. They had something to do with it. I knew it all was a lie. But Arnold Murray was clueless. And I thought, if he can't see this, what else did he miss? So then, I just started researching on my own. Okay, and then when I started research, researching on my own, I was shocked when I read books like From Babylon to Timbuktu, and Stolen Legacy, The Egyptian Origins of Western Philosophy, and discovered that the original people of the Middle East were people of color, what we considered black Africans. Okay, now, 
Alma Murray is supposed to be a Ph.D., an expert in theology, right? A Ph.D., an expert in theology, an archaeologist, a man of God. So you mean to tell me he does not know these facts? How could this Ph.D. never read the Greek historian Herodotus? That explains what the Persians and the Egyptians looked like prior to the Greeks and Roman invasions. How come he did not take the time to look at the kings of Persia and Medes of ancient Egypt? I mean, he's supposed to be an archaeologist, right? So, I realized that Mr. Murray was pushing a lie. Now, I don't know. He might be deceived like the rest of this world is. Because uh, some of his teachings are actually pretty good. He might just be ignorant and blind, like most of us, okay? But anyway, I wanted to say that to get that off my chest because I don't want people to think that I'm pushing on Murray. I understand where the man comes from, but, but, like I said before, it is very important to understand the deception. Because 90% of the Christians, black and white, knowingly and unknowingly support the British-Israelite deception. This is why they blindly support Israel. I should know, because I did it the same. All right? They blindly support Israel because they are subscribing to the anglo Israelite belief. It is a subtle message that allows that state to continue to do the death and destruction it does to those beautiful people in Palestine. Okay, now, before I get off topic, the reason why I'm speaking about this is to explain whom the principalities are. The spiritual wickedness is the spiritual wickedness in high places. Now, even though I no longer listen to the Shepherd's Chapel, we're going to listen to his teachings on the Kenites. I'm doing this as an olive branch. This is an olive branch to former and present Christians that are waking up. Also, to those that still listen to this man, Arnold Murray. Because I want you to understand, we have more in common than you think. And as for Murray, some of his teachings are pretty good, all right? And that's why I'm playing this one. Okay, now, I'm going to play this audio, all right? I'm going to find it here, play this audio, and then um, after that, I'm going to discuss it. All right, now let me find it. Actually, uh, Blog Talk got a new switchboard. It's really nice. Hope it don't crash. <laughs> All right, I'm going to play this audio, and I'll be right back. Okay, here it goes. Now, let's take the word Kenite, K-E-N-I-T-E. Translated means sons of Cain. And any time that you do a study, you're not going to be the least bit interested if you don't know what it means to you or 
why do I want to know this? Why is it important that I know this? And then you begin to take an interest and you get into the Word and you translate rather than transliterate in many cases because you know that your Father is telling you something. So let's find the why we need to know in the great book of Revelation. Open your Bibles, if you would, to Revelation chapter 2, verse 9. And unto the angel of the church of Smyrna write, These things saith the first and the last, meaning God was with us, was here in the beginning, and he's going to be here when it's all over. Actually, that's the one you want to be with. Which was dead, Christ was crucified, and is alive. Eternal life. I know thy works and tribulation and poverty, but thou art rich. In other words, you are rich in knowledge, and quite frankly, when you understand God's word and you have eyes to see and ears to hear, you will also prosper in this world because you know what the world is about and it's easy to beat Satan at his own game if you understand the plan of God. You are rich, and I know the blasphemy, sharpen up for me, the blasphemy of them which say they are Jews and are not but are the synagogue of Satan. Now, let's identify a couple of things. What is this word in the Greek, Jews? It's Iodos. It has, there are two people that can qualify as Iodos. That is to say, of the tribe of Judah, none of the other tribes now, there are 12. There's only one tribe, Judah. His children can be called Iodos or a citizen of the land of Judea, such as this is Arkansas, and we that live within this state are called, well, it's according to who's doing the calling, I guess. Arkansasers are, if you want to get uptown, it's Arkansans, all right? Arkansans. Well, then we know that there are some people that live in the land of Judea that moved there, that call themselves Eudas, but they're not. They call themselves of the tribe of Judah, let's be a little more specific, but they're not the tribe of Judah, quite the contrary. They are of the synagogue of Satan. Now, my friends, both these churches that Christ approved of taught this. Christ is complimenting them because of it. All right, I think that's it. Yeah, that was the first tape. Okay, now, if you were listening, all right, you heard Murray speaking about the Kenites. Okay, he states that the Kenites are of the tribe of Cain. He also identifies the fact that the people living in Israel are not, are not of the seed of Yaakov. Now, this part is okay so far. All right, I don't have any issues with this one. All right, now I'm going to play tape two, okay? Now here's part two. Verse eight, what were they doing? What was their works? I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door, and no man can shut it, for thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word. Kept what? My word, and hast not denied my name. You're staying with the true Christ. 
you haven't denied my name because of ignorance and being deceived into some other belief or religion or one of these other churches that I have found fault with. Behold, I will make them of the synagogue of Satan, which say they are Jews and are not, but do lie. Behold, I will make them to come and worship before thy feet, and to know that I have loved thee. And the next verse would continue on, because of this I have allowed you to escape the hour of temptation. That hour is the hour that the false Messiah is here, as it is written in Revelation 17. You escape it. Why? You're not going to be deceived. Now, let's get one thing straight coming out the gate. Are you saying we should hate Judah? That would be stupid indeed. Judah is our brother. I'm saying beware of those that claim to be of Judah and are not, but do lie and are the synagogue of Satan. That is what I'm saying. Our true brother Judah is loyal. He messes up like the rest of the tribes. But basically, our brother Judah, our true brother Judah, has suffered many accusations because of the Kenites. Because they call themselves Eudas. That's why Christ himself would say, these two churches are rich. That they have the key. They have the knowledge that can open the scriptures and give understanding. Now, okay. Uh, you know, it's like um, listening to uh, chalk on the chalk. Well, you know how chalk screaks <laughs> and it hurts your ears? That's how that sounds to me now. And it's crazy that I listened to that so long. But there's a purpose. There's a purpose, okay? Okay, now, on this tape, this audio file, you heard Mr. Murray speaking about the tribe of Judah. If you listen close, you will hear him leading towards the Anglo-Israelite teachings. Okay? When he says Judah is our brother, he's saying that the British monarchy is of the line of David and King Solomon. This is how we get all of the Holy Grail teachings and popes ordaining kings and queens, the Knights Templars, the whole thing about the Da Vinci Code deception. We also get researchers like David Livingston, you know, thinking that the line of Esau is the same as the line of Yaakov. All right. Now, I know listen to that is boring. But it's important to know what 90% of the Christians believe in and why this world is the way it is. It's very important. Okay? Now, um, I'm going to play one more audio file. Now, this last file, okay, is going to, he's going to speak about the um the what happened in the garden all right now this is important because this is why uh this is one of the reasons why i wanted to play this auto file all right this is going to speak about uh what happened in the garden now i i know about it and you know about it i taught this before but like i said 
it's good to have another witness. Okay? Now, we're going to play this one, and here it goes. How did the seed get sown? Chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent, there he is, was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden? He knew better, but he's setting her up, all right, too. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. This word trees here in the Hebrew is etz. It means if there's an apple tree out here, yep. We can have that if there's oranges, plums, anything we want. He said we can partake of those. They're good food. Verse 4. But the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst, this is different. In the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Now, the Hebrew language is a fixed language. It's not like English that every generation that comes along reworks it, you know, and one thing means something else and something something else. Hebrew is fixed. It doesn't float. You have a prime word, and then words come stem from that. The prime word, or the prime root of S, which is the wooden tree, is atesh, which is the backbone. All right? What's in your backbone, your central nervous system? The knowledge that runs from your little tippy toes to the top of your head. So we're not talking about, God wasn't talking about a wooden tree. He was talking about, there's another prime that comes closer yet, an opening or a closing of the eyes, acha, means tree, acha, the opening or the closing of the eyes. Satan documents which word he's talking about. Incidentally, neither shall you touch it. You know, the word touch wasn't used in the close of this chapter concerning the tree of life. This word in the Hebrew is naga. And among one thing, it means to lie with a woman. All right, we getting there? Now, and the serpent said unto the woman, Ye shall not surely die. He's lying to her, see? For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened. Ah, tash, not ex. And ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Why? They would have participated in it. And in that day man died. I mean, death entered the world. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, in other words, she partook of it. And that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise. She took of the fruit thereof, did eat, and gave also unto her husband with her. And he did eat. You got the sequence? Okay. And the eyes of them both were opened. 
did it say they both got a, a rash from the poison ivy on the tree? I don't think so. All right. Their eyes, autish, were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sowed fig leaves. Do you know what? Do you know the parable of the fig tree that Christ said you better know? This is the root of it. All right. Way back here. Fig leaves together and made themselves aprons. Now, did it say that they made masks? I think not. And in Sunday schools throughout this world, they teach Eve ate an apple. It's a lie. Sad. But it's a lie. And what road to get somebody started off? If you can't get started right in the beginning, you're never going to understand the rest of God's Word. And there it's propagated. Well, I wonder if what happened could be... I just wonder, maybe. Skip on to verse 15. God caught them. And this is what he said to the serpent. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman and between thy seed and her seed. So the serpent does have seed. It shall bruise thy head... And thou shalt bruise his heel. The serpent did. You have a little star if you have a King James. That means it refers to Christ. Christ's heels were bruised. They were nailed to the cross. And we shall crush his head, the serpent. Apple time in Georgia? Well, unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. How many need a definition for the word conception? Eating apples will do it to you, friend. Okay? In sorrow thou shalt bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. And so it goes. Okay. All right. Now, like I said, the reason why I played that is to get a second witness. Now, even though... I'm not really fond of Mr. Murray anymore. What he was teaching here was correct. Okay? Because here's where we get the root of the Kenites. Like I mentioned earlier. If you want an in-depth study on this subject, then you should listen to the seed of the serpent and the Amalekite deception that I've done a few months ago. Like I said, I got to give Arnold Murray some credit for this one. Now, there are small things that I differ from, differ, uh, differ uh, what he speaks about, but the core of it is there. The Kenites, okay, which became the Amalekites, can be traced to the Edomites. The Edomites, which were the high priest at the time of the death of Yahushua. And these are the people that John called vipers. Okay? The book of Matthew. Now remember, I played these audio files to explain who the principalities are. As you can see, the principalities, if we trace them back to the garden, are the seed of the serpent. If we place them to the Amalekites, are the seed of the serpent. If we Trace them to Esau. The Edomites are the seed of the serpent. 
Now, as we continue, you will notice that these spirits of these beings are moving from generation to generation and from nation to nation. All right. Now, listen, I'm going to read Matthew 3, 7. All right. Here it goes. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bring forth therefore fruit, meat for repentance, and think not to say within yourself, We have Abraham to our father, for I say to you that Yah is able to these stones to rise up children to Abraham. And now also the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which brings not forth good fruit is cut down and cast into the fire. Okay. Now here are these vipers. Okay. They talk about these vipers. So how are these vipers? The children of Abraham. If you followed my broadcast, you would know how the Amalekites married into the Edomites and the Benjamites. And the Edomites married into the line of the Hesmonians. You see, the tribe of Benjamin was taken over by the Amalekites during the time of King Saul. For those of you that are confused by this, you can get more information if you listen to the broadcast called the seed of Benjamin. All right. Now, if you notice something about the Benjamites, the Benjamites are always the, the instigators. They're always the, the instigators. Many of you, uh, do, who knows about Menelaus, uh, okay? From the time of Maccabeus. Now let me refresh your memory. Menelaus, the high priest, he was a Benjamite. He was the brother of Simon the Benjamite, who caused the conflict with Ananias. Ananias was the last priest of the tribe of Levi that was usurped by a Benjamite, who was Menelaus. Okay. Now we have to ask the question, what spirit was operating within the tribe of Benjamin and where did it come from? Was it the spirit of wickedness? Think about Paul. Remember, Paul was a Pharisee. Now, this, this thing, what I say about Paul was a Pharisee will make more sense. Um later on in this in this broadcast, okay? Check my time. All right, I'm doing good. Now, I'm going to read Matthew 23:1. It says, "Then spoke Yahushua to the multitude, to his disciples saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in the seat of Moses." Let me read that again. Then spoke Yahushua to the multitude and to his disciples saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in the, in Moses' seat. All therefore, whatever they bid you observe, 
that observe and do, but do not you after their works. For they say and do not. For they bind heavy bounds and grievous to be born and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their fallacies and enlarge the borders of their garments and love the uppermost rooms at feast and the chief seats in the synagogue. Okay? Now, this is powerful what is being said right here, but you got to pick it out. Okay? This is basically telling you who we're dealing with at this moment. Now, keep this in mind. The chief seats in the synagogue, the chief seats in the synagogue are speaking about the Sanhedrin. Another interesting fact is this. The Pharisees that made up the Sanhedrin were also of the tribe of Benjamin. Now, remember, only the line of Levi are supposed to seat are supposed to sit in the seat of Moses. Only the tribe of Levi are the priest of the Most High. What in the hell is a Benjamite doing in the seat of Moses? Okay? Now, this is very important to understand. Now, because people don't understand scriptures and words and laws and the covenants, They'll read through that and don't realize that something major has happened here. Okay? Something major has happened here. Okay. Now, the next verse says, And greetings in the markets. Okay, continuing. And greetings in the markets, and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But be not you called Rabbi. For one is your master, even Christ. And all you are brethren, and call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father, which is in heaven. Okay? Now, did you hear that? With this verse, Yahushua condemns those that call themselves Pope Fathers, right, and Rabbis. He says, call no man Rabbi or father you see this is why the Jews deny Yahshua because they know if we listen to what he was saying we would know that they are imposters why because call no man rabbi and it says neither be ye called masters for one is your master even Christ but he that is greater among you, greatest among you, will be your servant, and whoever will exalt himself will be a beast. And he that will humble himself will be exalted. But woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against man, for you neither go in yourselves, neither suffer you them that are entering to go in. All right. Okay. Before I continue, I want to make something clear. None of these people 
The Sadducees, the Pharisees, or the scribes had the right to be in the temple. All of them were usurpers and impostors. Remember, okay, it was them that killed the Messiah. Okay? Now, what I'm going to do, I did another broadcast. But I'm going to read the definition of these three groups, okay? So we can get a clear understanding what exactly is a Pharisees and a Sadducees and a scribe. Okay? What is a Pharisees, a Sadducees, and a scribe? All right? Now it says, a Sadducees, right? It says, according to Abraham, now this is from uh, off the web, Wiki. It says, according to Abraham Grieger, now listen to that name, Abraham Grieger, the Sadducees sects of Judaism drew their name from Tazdak, the first Kohan Gudol to serve in the first temple with the leader of the sect proposed as the Kohan priestly son of Tizdak. Now, that's confusing to a lot of people, but what this is saying, basically, this guy here is saying that the Sadducees are of the line of Levi from one of his sons, and they traced this back to the Kohan, right? Now, what destroys Abraham Grieger's claims is that, first, he calls himself a German rabbi. If uh, you are awake, you should know by now that German means Ashkenazi, right? It means Ashkenazi Jew. That's what German means. And rabbi, right, a.k.a. AK, this is, we know that no one's supposed to call themselves rabbi. So basically we know that this guy here that's speaking is a Ashkenazi Jewish rabbi. Therefore, he's a usurper Jew. Okay? Now we're going to keep reading what it says. Then it says, uh, they, somebody disputes his claim. It says, however, based on Chalik sources, some researchers have argued that the Sadducees group originated in tandem when the Biotheans group during the Second Temple period with their founders, Tazdak and Biotheus, both being individual students of Antigus of Suku, who preceded the Zugak era, with no direct connection between the founding founder of the the original Levites sect and the Kohan, which is the, the priest, other than the name. Okay, so this is basically saying, look, it's just the name. They basically took the name. And you see how they said the Biotheans. Now, we should know by now that the Biotheans were the Hasmoneans and King Herod and all that stuff. So they were Edomites. All right? Now, based on my research, the, the second definition is correct. The Biotheans are of the line of Herod, which is Esau. This is the line that the Anglo-Israelites are talking about, and they have no clue, okay? The Anglo-Israelites <laughs> are claiming their heritage from this line, cluelessly. Now, what, is, what does it say about the Pharisees? The Pharisees were one of at least four major schools of thought within Jewish religion around the first century, Okay? 
the social standards and beliefs of the Pharisees changed over time, such that the rule significance I'm sorry, such that the role, significance and meaning of the Pharisees involved as political and social conditions in Judaism and Judea changed. The sages, meaning the wise man, the sages of the Talmud, we all know what the Talmud is. Let me, let me go. The sages of the Talmud see a direct link between themselves and the Pharisees. The historians generally considered Pharisaic Judaism to be the prognicator of rabbinic, rabbinic Judaism. Now, this is important. Okay? What is this telling us? This is telling us that the Pharisees, the Pharisees created rabbinic Judaism. Now, like I said before, who created the Pharisees? What was the most prominent line in the Pharisees? The Benjamites. Who were the Benjamites? What happened to the Benjamites? Well, you have to listen to the seed of Benjamin to get a deeper understanding. But if you understand that the Amalekites bond themselves with the Benjamites, then uh, you start to get a picture on who the principalities are, who these spirits are. All right, now let me continue. It says the Pharisaic Judaism to be prognator, prog prognator of rabbinic Judaism. This is a normative mainstream Judaism after the destruction of the second temple. Heard that? After the destruction of the second temple, now we get this new type of Judaism. All mainstream forms of Judaism today consider themselves hares of rabbinic Judaism and ultimately the Pharisees, Pharisaic views were non-credal and non-dogmental and heterogeneous, meaning that they didn't follow the covenant. Not one uh, tractate of the key rabbinic texts, the Mishnah and the Talmud is devoted to theological issues. They're not going by the covenant. All right. These texts are concerned primarily with interpretation, what? With interpretations of Jewish law and anecdotes about the sages and their values. See, now this, if you don't know what you're reading here, this could be really confusing. But let me break this down for you. This is basically telling you that they have changed the root, the core of the Hebrew religion. I ain't even saying that word religion. The, the core, the root of the Hebrew culture created something new. Rabbinic Judaism. Okay? Now, when they created this rabbinic Judaism, right, instead of basing it on theological issues, all right, they primarily do it on the interpretation of the law that came from the sages, the wise men. Who the hell are these wise men? Okay? This is very important. See, a lot of us don't realize that right in front of your eyes, they are telling you what they have done. And people are too blind to see it. Based just based on the Pharisees. If you just read what the Pharisees was and just read about it, you'd be like, oh, this has nothing to do with the core of the Hebrew belief. It's changed based on people that aren't even of the tribe of Levi. 
Okay, let me keep going. So, like I said, this is telling me that this is more of an elusive office rather than something that is concrete. All right? Now I'm going to read more. It says, not one... Uh, yeah, it goes, not one tracet of the key rabbinic texts, the Mishnah and the Talmud, is devoted to theological issues. These texts are concerned primarily with the interpretation of Jewish law and anecdotes about the sages and their values. And like I said, the sages and their values, who are the sages? And what are their values? All right? Now, the other one we're going to break down is scribes. What exactly are the scribes? It says this. It says, in a, uh, the scribes is a person who writes books or documents by hand as a profession and helps the city keep track of its records. The profession previously found in all literature, cultures, in some form lost most of its importance and, statute, and stat, status with the advent of printing. Now think about this now. Prior to printing, these scribes wrote down the laws and records, everything. All right, and I'm going to read something after this. The work could involve copying books, including sacred texts or secretarial and administrative duties, such as taking a uh, dictation and the keeping of business, judicial and historical records, for kings, nobility, temples, and cities. Later, the profession developed into public servants, journalists, accountants, typists, and lawyers. In social and society with low literacy rates, such as India, street corner letter writers and readers may still be found providing a service. Uh, providing a service. Yeah, that's that. All right. Um, now, notice when Yahushua. Notice when uh, Yahushua addressed the snakes and vipers. What did he say? He called out the Pharisees and scribes, right? Pharisees and scribes, the rabbis and the bookkeepers. He's basically speaking to the liars. All right, let me read that again. Hold on now. Let me see if I can find that. Now, listen to this, but listen to this with the ears, okay, with the ears of understanding what a scribe and a Pharisee is, okay? Now, we know Yahushua knew who these people were. He said, woe to you scribes and, and, and Pharisees, right? Now, think about this, the scribes and the Pharisees, right? Now, he says, Matthew 23, 1. Um, let me make sure I get it now. I don't want to mess it up. Oh, then spoke Yahushua to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, the scribes and the Pharisees sit in the seat of Moses, sit in Moses' seat. All therefore, whatever they bid you observe, that observe and do, but do not you after their works. For they say and do not, for they bind heavy burden and grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them one of their fingers, but all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make burden their phylacteries 
and enlarge their their um, borders of their garments, and love the utmost rooms of the feast and the chief seats in the synagogue. Like I said before, talking about the Sanhedrin. Okay. All right. And then what does he say? And greetings in the markets, and be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But be not ye called Rabbi, for one is your master, even Christ. In all ye are brethren, and call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father, which is in heaven. All right? Now, I had to read that to really clarify that. Okay? Now, let me continue. Um, now, I'm going to read you a little bit of history. For those of y'all that stood with me on this broadcast, I thank you. And hopefully, hopefully you're being fed today because this is very important information that you can take with you. And if you get in any conversation with those that pretend to be Jews and are not, you just tell them right off the back and say, um, are you a rabbi? And if they say yes, then you say, well, you know, you ain't supposed to be in the temple seat. You know what I'm saying? Do you subscribe to the Talmud? They go, yeah, you're not following the covenant. That's not the word. You see, they have lost the word so much that they can't even argue the word with you. That's why you're not going to ever get no Jew call me up and argue the word here. He don't know it. That's why that guy looked like a complete fool. When y'all see, uh, what was that program? Um, Something with Christ. That that, that uh, rabbi got on the program, looked like a total fool. And that brother was just, you know, being all calm and reading from the word. He didn't know what he was doing. The reason is because they lost it. If you're going by memory and just making stuff up, when you actually bring the word to them and say, look, here's where it says this. This is what this means. They're not going to be able to argue with you. They're busy talking about the Kabbalah and stuff. You know? All right. Now, here's a little history. Okay? Now, we're going to speak about the Sanhedrin. This is important. It says, the first Sanhedrin came 200 B.C. It was created as a political arm that was uh, manipulated by the Romans. It was created to subvert the power of the high priest. It became the Supreme Court of Judaism. Okay? Now, when you read the book of Maccabeus, you begin to see how this Sanhedrin was most likely the cause of the chaos, right? Order of the chaos. Simon the Benjamite, here goes the Benjamites again, and his brother Manalias were the instigators. If you think about it, the Sanhedrin and the Talmud, these two things make the perfect match. The Supreme Court makes the law. Right? The rabbi enforces the law. Now, I want y'all to do yourself a favor. Look up this guy by the name of Rabbi Akiva Ben Yasuf. His name is uh, Rabbi Akiv. Okay? Now, this person has a direct connection to the Kabbalah. Okay? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to um, write these things down. He has a direct connection to the Kabbalah, the Kabbalah. Also look up a man by the name of Hillel of Babylon. 
It's another important. These are two very important figures to uh, understand. Okay, Rabbi Akiva ben Yasof, Joseph Yan Yosef. Okay, in his connection to the Kabbalah, and, a, and another man by the name of Hillel of Babylon. Now I'm going to read something. This is Hillel was another descendant from the tribe of Benjamin. Here goes the Benjamins again. He was recognized as the highest authority among the Pharisees. Some say he was the founding father of Rabbinic Judaism. Now, I just read what Rabbinic Judaism was based on the Pharisees, right? So here we go again. It's telling us again that this guy, Hillel, now this is a long time ago. This is like uh, 100 uh, B.C., Around the time. All right? And this is Hillel. Okay? 100 BC, 180. Well, around that time. Okay? Now, this is the beginning of rabbinic Judaism. Traced back to Hillel. And he was a Benjamite. That should tell everybody right there that, that, that you know, the synagogue of Satan has taken over. Now, we're going to read. It says, rabbinic Judaism... I'm going to read. It says, uh, Rabbiism, this is from Wiki, has been the mainstream form of Judaism since the 6th century CE. All right, now, since the 6th century. But yet we know that it was created around the time of Akiva. Rabbi Akiva. After the codification of the Talmud, everybody knows about the Talmud, Rabbinic Judaism became the prominent stream with the Jewish diaspora between the 2nd century CE, and they say common era, with the redaction of the oral law and the Talmud as the authoritative interpretation of Jewish scripture, and to encourage the practice of Judaism in the absence of the temple sacrifices and other practices no longer possible. Rabbinic Judaism is based on the belief that at Mount Sinai, Moses received directly from God, the Torah, as well as additional oral explanations of the revealing the oral law. This was transmitted by Moses to the people in oral form. The oral law was subsequently codified in the Mishnah and Gemara and is interpreted in rabbinic literature, detailing subsequent rabbinic decisions in writing. Rabbinic Jewish literature is predicted uh, predicated on the belief that the written law cannot be properly understood without resource of the oral law, the Mishnah. Now, first of all, who is giving us this oral law, this Mishnah? If we trace rabbinic Judaism to the Benjamites, and we chase the Benjamites to the Amalekites, then we need to be like, well, hold on now. These ain't even the Levites. Not only aren't they the Levites, they're not even of the seed of Yaakov. I mean, they're not even of the seed of Esau. If you think about this, this is the Amalekites, the Ken of the Kenites, the Kenites, the serpent, the principalities. The seed of the serpent is sitting in the seat, the seat of Levi. I mean, this gets deep. I don't think y'all understood what I just said. 
the seed of the serpent is sitting in the seat of Levi. It's worse than Esau. Woe unto you vipers, you snakes. That's what Yahushua said. They had to kill him. You go to a Jew, you say, do you believe in Yahushua? No, they don't believe in him. Why? Because if they believed in him, you would go back to the word and be like, wait, wait, hold on now. It says right here that there's not supposed to be a rabbi. So all these brothers out here that are calling yourselves rabbi, you need to wake up and stop doing that. Okay? Now, come on now. We need to get it together. Now, let me continue to read this. Until uh, the Jewish Enlightenment of the late 18th century and the resulting division of Ashkenazi Jewry into religious movements of domination, denomination, especially in Northern America and Anglified countries, Halakha had the universal status of requiring religious practice. This remains the prevailing position among Orthodox and conservative Jews. Reformed Jews do not generally teach halakha as blinding. Now, I don't know what the halakha is, actually. I'm going to ask the, my, my sister um, Elaine to help me with that when we speak to her, because uh, we have... I'm, actually, I'm going to have time to speak about the huanet, because I want to, some exciting stuff going on. But let me finish up. Um, uh, okay, actually, that's that's that. Now, okay, so um, as you can see, basically, the takeover of the uh, Hebrew culture has been completed, okay? And it started back in 200 B.C., around 191 to be exact is what they say, is when they decided to create uh, the Sanhedrin, okay? Now, many people thought the Sanhedrin was this great place of holiness now what people have to realize is that the Sanhedrin was supposed to be built of the 70 Hebrews the 70 elders but remember what did the 70 elders do they built the golden calf Aaron was reprimanded for that remember Aaron went on the mountain and died because of it the Sanhedrin didn't, wasn't created then that's a lie the Sanhedrin was created in 191 B.C., but that creation was based on a Roman thing. The Romans at that time, see, the Romans weren't in, were in charge yet, because first it was the Greeks, then the Romans. But at this time, it was a Roman thing that pushed it to create an office, which eventually brought down the high priest position which caused the conflict between the usurper Jews and the original Levites. What I say before, once you got the religion, you got the country. So they had to take that religion. All right? Now, once the Sanhedrin was created, we then see the opportunity for the, the uh, Edomites to force conversion, because remember, Hasmonean decided to force convert. And now, even though Judas Maccabeus did a good thing as resisting, he didn't do a he, he did something that was wrong, and that was that they decided to take over the, the, the priest position through Jonathan. Alright? Jonathan took it over after the teacher of righteousness. 
And this is when everything went bad. Because once Jonathan took over, they saw the uh, the King Herod saw as an opportunity to come in. And that's what happened. And then what did they do? They forced converted the Edomites. You can't convert somebody into Judaism. But they were doing it back here, back here. Okay? Now they forced convert. And then what happens? The Kenites through the Amalekites make their way to the seats of the Hebrews of the seed of Yaakov. Okay? Now, these are the principalities in high places. The seed of the serpent. Now, then after the destruction of the temple and the enslavement and the displacement of the Hebrews, we see the rabbinic rabbinic Judaism movement starting. All right. This is led by Rabbi Akiva Ben Yasuf Ben Joseph. Right. Hillel, all these people, these Benjamites pretending to be Levites. Now in 2011, we have the usurpation of Israel, the enslavement of the Palestinians, hell on earth. Then we have this religious cult creating the prison planet. Okay? Creating the prison planet and setting up the mark of the beast. Okay? The mark of the beast 2011. Alright. So, you know, that's basically, uh, I just wanted to document that. But now, there's something that kind of concerns me, actually concerns me a lot, and I think we need to acknowledge it. I did a video called um, In the Tents of Shem, and within this video I found a lot of different uh, images about different Hebrews, you know, Hebrews of color around the world. And I have like... Um, the Hebrews that were in Uganda and in Kenya and Nigeria. But there's one problem that I just realized is that as I was doing research, a lot of these Hebrews were actually converted into Judaism from the Ashkenazis. Now, this isn't a good thing. Now, that's not saying that they're not Hebrews because I believe they are. Because we know that they were dispersed throughout Africa. See, but they don't know that they are the original Hebrews. You see, they think that they are converted Hebrews. And one thing, one other thing, too, is we are not supposed to go to Israel, y'all. All these people that want to go to Israel and, and, and be living in the land, I'm going to tell y'all something. If we went to Israel like the um, uh, the Ethiopians did, we would be partakers of the crime. Now, if you look at this video that I say, uh, the, uh, the Zionist story, you have to understand, when um, Zionism started and they started to push for the homeland, and the United Nations made a mandate for them to actually have that land, they committed the biggest crime in history. They created a genocide. In 1948, when they became a state, that was something that was a genocide. Okay? And now we have people that are suffering in prison. Babies dying. People killing themselves just to be heard. 
Now, if we can say that's okay, then we have to say it was okay in South Africa. Then we have to say it was okay for us in the United States. Then we have to say that slavery was okay. No injustice on this earth is okay. Why would you want to convert into a religion of that death? Why would you want to go to a place in Israel that brings forth death? How can you live in a place with sun is shining, but yet, you know, a few kilometers from you, there's people in prison? Why would you want to to be, uh, you know, willingly go to there? Now, it is our duty as human beings to speak out against that. It is our duty as children of the Most High. To speak out against that. No, we should not want to go to Israel. If 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 a Jew is listening to me right now, I'm gonna tell you something. I don't want to be a Jew. I'm a Hebrew of the city Yaakov. I just want the truth to be heard. You are a liar. You are of the synagogue of Satan. Understand this. If you're not, you gotta come clean. You gotta make a video like this one that this brother did, the uh story of Zionism, so you can come clean. Look, you can kill me. I don't, it, it, hey, whatever. But the truth is the truth. Okay? You have stole a land that is not yours. You have stole the identity that is not yours. We know this is true. This is why you're trying to set up this prison planet. But it's too late. It's too late. Look at what happened to you in the Holocaust. Look at what happened to you. Are you doing the same thing to the Palestinians? No. You cannot do that to these people. You cannot build this wall. You cannot build a prison without me speaking out against it. I am of the seed of Yaakov. Okay? Now, the good news that I want to bring forth is that um, I started a network called Not I. Me and my uh, fellow Hebrews that are waking up to the truth started a network called Hebrews Wake Up Network <laughs> called Hua, and actually it's spelled H-W-U, but we say Hua because I is always there. Hua. Now we started this, and we're actually reaching out to different brothers, uh, Hebrews. Now we we ask that you just come in love and in peace and understand that we got one goal in mind. And that's to wake up the children of Yaakov because the children of Yaakov have a job to do. And that's to wake up this world. And um, if you want to be involved in Hua, send me an email. Um, we have Hebrew council meetings that are um, Hebrew council meetings that we held every Saturday. And every Saturday we speak and we actually plan and we actually set goals and we're doing it because the most high is with us okay the most high is with us i feel his spirit and i'm telling y'all this is going to be amazing you know why because if you want to do it and you want to do it to please the father he will let it be done he will make it so and um i have some sisters that are writing down things sister leah She's uh, taking notes for us. And um, we had Jamel. He's actually uh, doing, helping with the meetings. And it's very professional, and I'm, I'm very excited about it. And if you want to join the WhoAnet, send me an email. We'll put you into the, uh, into the, uh, the meeting and, um, you know, we'll just make it happen. 
All right, I'm actually lost for words because I'm looking at my time ticking down. Uh, but look, y'all, I just wanted to say um, thank you so much for coming. I'm going to uh, close in prayer, and I'm also going to play a little CD, my Moses song on the way out. But I just want to thank y'all for coming. I want to let y'all know I'm coming to the U.S. I ask that you pray for me to make sure that my, my flight does not get delayed and they don't hold me up at the daggone TSA airport. And I'm going to call y'all when I get to the United States and see some friends and family and hopefully we can hold a nice uh, Hebrew council meeting on um, uh, this Saturday okay now let me close in prayer Heavenly Father thank you so much for this opportunity to speak to your children I pray that you continue to bless this message let it go all over the world let those in Israel hear this message let them know that we are waking up touch the hearts of those in that nation and let them know that they're doing wrong to those people in Palestine, Heavenly Father. Where is the man that can speak out against this injustice, oh Father? This cannot go on. There are babies dying, Heavenly Father. We need to come together. There are wars in this world raging because injustice is being done on this earth. Oh Father, wake up your children in the name of Yahushua. Thank you, Father. Protect my flight, bring me home safely, and protect my children as I'm away. I thank you, Father, for giving me the voice to speak and the opportunity. I thank you, Father, in the name of Yahushua's precious name. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. All right, y'all. Have a nice uh, night, and see you in the United States. Moses, Moses, lay your rod in that red sea. Lay your rod, let the children cross in that red sea. Good.